All right, one verse this morning, just one, so I'll give you a minute to find it. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 11. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 11. As is always the case, if you do not have a Bible with you today, there's one in front of you, and we encourage you to follow along. It always helps us to retain it more if we look at it while we're hearing it. Matthew 18, verse 11. Everybody got it? Okay. I want to see your heads turned down now and looking at it. Are you looking at it? Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this wonderful verse of Scripture. We're thankful for this word that we're going to study today. We're thankful for the good music we've enjoyed so far. We're thankful for the spirit we've felt in this place. And I pray now as we uh, come to this, uh, your word, that, Father, we would accept that that's what it is. This is your word, the holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, perfect immutable Word of God. And I pray today you'd fill me with your Spirit, help me to preach it clearly and accurately. May I say nothing I ought not to, and everything I should. I pray you'd give boldness where it's needed, and compassion where it's needed, and just help this day for your Word to speak to all of us. And then once that's happened, help this day each and every one of us to respond as we should. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The word that I want to study today is the word lost. Lost. Our text says Jesus came to save that which was lost. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus preached some parables. He told three parables specifically. One was about a lost coin. One was about a lost sheep. And one was about a lost son. When Jesus prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, and by extension for you and for me, He said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Another time Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he said, Take heed that you not be deceived. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first. But the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts, not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. In Matthew chapter 5, we read of Jesus sending out the twelve to preach. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Another time Jesus was with his disciples, and a woman came seeking healing for her daughter. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those are just a few. We could go on and on and on. The fact is, uh, over and over in the Bible, we find this word, lost. What does it mean? And more importantly than what it means is what significance does it have to you and I? So let's look at that for just a few moments this morning. Let's ask ourselves, first of all, what does it mean to be lost? 
We've always started all these little studies in words with definition, and so we'll continue that this morning. What does it mean to be lost? The Greek word, most often translated into our English word lost, means destroyed, dying, lost, perished, ruined, put to death. So if that's all we've got by way of definition, then we know that to be lost is to be destroyed. To be lost is to be dying. To be lost is to be perishing. To be lost is to be ruined. It's a terrible word. But the English word is no better. The definition of the word lost in Webster's is equally alarming. Let me share some of the various meanings of the word. Webster's is always entertaining to me because he has so many different nuances of a word that we think we know. He says here, he's got eight different things here that I'm going to quote to you, and I think he had more than that. But He says, lost means no longer possessed. No longer possessed. And I suppose that's the definition most of us think of when we think of the word lost. I had something. I lost it. Now I no longer possess it. That's what we oftentimes think of. I have some furniture at home, some uh, outside furniture, some uh, patio furniture, heavy metal patio furniture, large round desks, several monstrous chairs that make all kinds of noise when I scrape them across the deck, and two little end table type things. I say two, but I really don't have two anymore. I now only have one. One day I happened to walk out on my porch, and this has been some time ago now, and I noticed that one of them was gone. I lost it. I had it. I no longer possess it. How does a person lose a table that big and that big around? I have a theory where it is. I think some teenager might have taken it and tossed it in my pond at one point. But uh, it's gone. Lost. No longer possessed. Another definition of lost is it means unable to find the way. That's another common uh, meaning that we would all understand, right? We can't find our way. We're lost. Amelia Earhart was the first woman to attempt to circumnavigate the globe until she disappeared and was lost. She did not find her way. I remember one time when I was uh, traveling someplace and I was trying to uh, find a particular store. I think I was buying a piano at the time. This was years ago. I think it's the piano that Amy has now. But uh, we couldn't find the place. And I pulled into a gas station to ask directions, which you would think would be a good thing to do. But there was a kid in there with an unusual sense of humor, and he sent me off into the woods somewhere. I was miles from any civilization whatsoever. I was completely lost, unable to find my way. Another meaning that Webster says is lost means not appreciated or understood. And the example he gives is his jokes were lost on me, not appreciated or understood. For some reason, I I thought of you, Brother Paul, when I... When I read this definition, uh, yeah, not appreciated or understood. Lost means obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. For example, his meaning was lost in translation. I don't really like that example, but I like that definition. Lost means obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. When I was in high school, I used to be on the chess club at Waterloo. Any other chess players in here? None? Really? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was a geek, I admit it. But I was good at chess back then. I was so good, in fact, that in my junior year, I was the most valuable player on our chess team of like three people. And then my senior year, I have this memory burned in my brain. You know, you have things that happen to you in your childhood that you never forget. And this was one of those things. 
I was playing chess with this person. He was, I thought, probably the dumbest person on the other team. Uh, and yet I was playing all cocky. And uh, all of a sudden he looked at me after I'd made a move and he said, I'll never forget him saying this. I can see his face right now. This has been 50 years ago. And I can still see his face. And he looked at me and he said, I tricked you. And this horror came over me as I realized that I had been so consumed with my plan that I wasn't paying any attention to his. And he did wipe me off the face of the earth as a result of that. Uh, lost means obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. Interesting. Lost means not made use of, won, or claimed. Not made use of, won, or claimed. From time to time I read about people who uh, they have money. They have an account somewhere that maybe they opened years ago and they forgot they had. Or they inherited some money somewhere and they don't know they have it. And uh, if you don't claim that over a period of time, it is cheats to the state and the state takes it because they, uh, they didn't make use of it or claim it. Lost means taken away or beyond reach of attainment. The children of Israel were ready to enter into the promised land. Uh, Joshua sent spies into the promised land to uh, reconnoiter and determine whether or not uh, they could go in and how they were going to take it. And all but two of them returned with a cowardly report and scared everybody to death. And so they decided that uh, even though God had already promised the land was theirs for the taking, they didn't want to go in. And so God judged them for that, turned them around and sent them back into the wilderness. And, and I can only imagine that as they traveled from the land that they had been so close to, they'd even tasted of the fruit of it. It was right there in their hands. And now as they turned around and it was gone, it was taken away or beyond reach of attainment. It was lost, at least for that generation. Lost means hopelessly unattainable or futile. Futile. At least that's the way it's pronounced in Star Trek. I think the right pronunciation might be futile, but futile sounds so much better. Hopelessly unattainable. My son Joshua played football for Mount Union College, and I don't know how their, their football program is now, but when he was there, uh, it was ridiculous. It was boring to go to a football game at Mount Union College because they always won by 50 points, and it was just insane. Nobody ever beat Mount Union, and I oftentimes think that the other teams must have thought beating Mount Union was hopelessly unattainable and futile. It was just simply lost cause. And of course, lost also means ruined or destroyed. I don't know about you, but when I think about that list and those various definitions, I can see so much application to the idea of our being spiritually lost. Not just temporal, physical things like the things I mentioned there, but our, our spiritual lives. There's no question that when the Bible speaks of a person being lost, it's very often not referring to that first definition. In other words, they had something and they no longer possess it. That's what we think of as the word. The Bible is using it in other ways, and most of the ways the Bible is using it really fit in well with some of those other definitions. Think about this. Lost means unable to find the way. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Many are lost because they simply have not found the way. They haven't found the way. Lost means not appreciated or understood. How many will be in hell simply because they did not appreciate or understand what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross of Calvary? Two thieves hung with Jesus. One on either side, 
Both of them initially did not appreciate what was going on. Both of them initially were lost. But then somewhere along the line, one of them looked at Jesus and came to have some appreciation of what he was doing there. And he called out to him. And Jesus said that that day he would be with him in paradise. The other one never did and died lost. Lost means obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. Oh, think about that one. How many people are going to be in hell because they were too busy doing other things to notice the urgency of their state, the frailty of their lives, the uncertainty of even one more day? Too busy. Jesus' parable of the rich fool comes to mind. Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? There was nothing wrong with building barns. There was nothing wrong with accumulating wealth. The problem was when these things became his focus and kept his eyes from what was coming. And it came suddenly. Lost means obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. Lost means not made use of, won, or claimed. Well, think about that one. Paul preached a message to Felix one time. Preached the gospel to him. After some days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And now as Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Many remain lost because when they hear, they procrastinate. They put it off until another day. There are now no doubt some, maybe even in this room, who are like, Felix, you've heard it over and over and over again, but every single time the Holy Spirit pulls at your heart, you say tomorrow, manana, terrible word, procrastinate. You don't claim the gift that is yours. You don't make use of the salvation Jesus died to give you, and you remain lost. Lost means taken away or beyond reach of attainment. How many, uh, how, how many of you know that the offer of God doesn't last forever? You know that, right? If he offers it to you and you don't take it. He may not offer it tomorrow. You know that, right? Lost means taken away or beyond reach of attainment. Uh, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy, Proverbs 29, verse number 1 says. Jesus told the story of the ten virgins. You remember the story of the ten virgins? They fooled around until it was too late. When they got to to the wedding, the door was shut. There was no access. When Noah entered the ark that God had told him to build because God was about going to judge mankind for their sin. Once Noah and all who were to be saved were in the ark, God shut the door. God's offer of mercy is not forever. It has a limit. There comes a day when it is taken away or beyond reach of attainment. You don't know when that day is. Too many presume upon God's grace and remain lost. Lost remains hopelessly unattainable, futile. Dante Alighieri, I think is how you say his name, wrote his divine comedy between 1306 and 1321. It was an allegorical poem depicting his understanding of the afterlife. He described hell. He described purgatory, which doesn't exist. He described heaven. 
in his description of hell, he imagined an, 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 a sign, an inscription above the gateway to the inferno, above the great way, gateway to hell. It says, abandon all hope, all who enter here. Abandon all hope, hopelessly, unattainable, futile. And finally, lost means ruined or destroyed. And that's probably the strongest of all the definitions and probably the one that most accurately represents what the Bible teaches about being lost. So that's enough about what it means to be lost. Let's ask ourselves another question. Why are some lost? Why are some lost? All we like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep. The first thing we need to understand is we all start out that way. All of us are lost, uh, unless we've turned our life over to Christ. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Did you hear a particular word I emphasized over and over right there? It's the word all. And you've heard me say it many times. I've heard Brother Don steal it and use it when he's speaking. All means all. And that's all all means. All of us start out lost. So my question was, why are some lost? But the real question really needs to be reworded to why do some stay lost? Why do some never get it? John Newton wrote the hymn that uh, in survey after survey after survey uh, is voted the most popular of hymns. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I can sing that song. Many in this congregation can sing that song and understand exactly what Newton meant. Why can some say that they were once lost and now found and others can't? What is it that keeps some people lost? Well, let's, let's, do, let's do a little Bible study. Turn with me to Matthew 13. I only read one verse at the beginning, so I'm going to read a little bit right now. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus gave us some insight into this in his parable of the sower and the spoils. Matthew 13, verse number 1. I love this particular parable because Jesus not only gave the parable, but he also gave an exact explanation of what the parable meant. And we'll read both. Matthew 13, verse 1, on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jump down to verse number 18. Verse number 18, here Jesus explained that parable. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Of the four different individuals Jesus mentioned there, three of them were lost. And one of them was saved. Only the last one was saved. So think about the three that he said were lost. One was lost because he heard the truth and did not understand it. Verse number 19. Remember, one of the definitions of the word lost was not appreciated or understood. And the fact is, one reason that people remain lost, even after listening to the gospel preached or read or however they've received it, is they simply do not understand it. And notice what Jesus said here. He said, this is not simply a matter of mental acuity. It's not that they're dumb. We have an enemy. We have an adversary who is doing everything he can to keep us ignorant, to cloud our minds, to keep us from understanding. And so if you struggle to understand the gospel, if you've listened to it and you say, you know, I would accept it if I could get my brain around it, I just don't get it. If that's you, then you need to pray God helps you understand it. You need to be like the man in Mark chapter 9 that says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm trying. Help my unbelief. And Christians... (laughs) Christians, this is another reason we give altar calls every single Lord's Day. Christians ought to step out and be praying for those who don't understand. Maybe you know somebody like that. You ought to be praying, Lord, open their eyes. Help them understand. Those who do understand ought to be praying for those who don't. So that's one reason. Another, re- another person who was lost in Jesus' parable was so because the trials and troubles of life crowded out the truth, verses 20 and 21, and he stumbled. I feel like I talk a lot about hurt from this pulpit. As I review back in my mind sometimes all the sermons that I've preached over the years, it seems like I, I talk a lot about that, hurt and pain and trials and troubles. Does it seem like I talk about that too much? I don't know. I, I think there's a reason. It's because hurt and pain and trials and troubles are real, and we all have them, and they do come up a lot in life. And the sad fact that I think Jesus is pointing out to us here is that some people never rise above hurt. Some people never rise above pain. Some people, when that kind of a thing comes into their life, rather than turning to God, they turn away from God. I'm reminded of the old saying, the same sun both melts wax and hardens clay. And so I would suggest to you this morning, if that's you, if you're hurting, don't turn away from God. Turn toward God. Tell him you're hurt. Ask for help at getting there. Don't let that be the reason that you stay lost. Then Christian, again, again, here's another reason we need to be praying for others. If you know somebody who's going through something right now, if you know somebody who's got pain or hurt in their life, you ought to be praying for them. You ought to be praying for them. Finally, Jesus mentioned a third person in his parable, a third explanation as to why some remain lost. Verse 22 says, some let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the truth. Remember, we learned lost means obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. Jesus said many remain lost because they're too busy building their portfolios. Many remain lost because they're too busy maintaining their lawns, washing their cars, cleaning their golf clubs for the pastor's masters, fishing, I don't know. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves, but they become wrong when they become the focus and they keep us lost. 
Some of you have seen the video online. I, I, I think it's a really interesting video that's been posted several different times on social media. It shows two animals in the foreground fighting. Let's say they're gazelles, because I don't know what they are. There's something like that. Gazelles locked in battle. And all around them are several other gazelles just like them watching this battle with intense interest. And off in the distance, you can see just the slightest little, tiniest little movement way off in the distance, and it draws your gaze. And as you look at it, you see that it's getting closer and closer and closer. Here's this fight going on in the foreground, this movement in the background. Eventually, you realize that's a lion, and that lion is making a beeline right for these two fighting gazelles. They're oblivious to the danger. The other ones that are standing around watching, they happen to notice, hey, there's a lion coming, and they all flee. But they are oblivious to the danger. It's not until the lion is leaping through the air to pounce upon them that they notice it, and by then it's too late. Why are some people lost? Because they're obscured or overlooked during a process or activity. How many will be in hell because they were too busy doing other things to even notice how quickly their life was coming to an end? The frailty of life, the uncertainty of another day. Too busy. Too busy. Two questions we've looked at so far. Number one, what does it mean to be lost? Number two, why are some lost? Or more accurately, why do some stay lost? Let me ask just one more and we'll be done. Does God want anyone lost? Does God want anyone lost? What does our text say? Our text says the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. There's only one reason Jesus lived and died in history. And there's only one reason that he lives again all through eternity, so that nobody needed to stay lost. So that you didn't need to stay lost. Not you. He doesn't want you lost. Not anybody you know or love. He doesn't want them lost. He doesn't want anybody lost. The Bible is clear about that. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 2.4, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? First Timothy, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you heard nothing else I've said this morning, I hope you hear this. If you are still lost then this is the message God has for you today. He does not want you that way. He does not want you to remain that way, and you don't have to. Jesus died in your place. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus rose again so you could live forever. He wants to save you so that you will never be lost again. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? You may be lost, but you don't need to stay that way. You may have put it off before, but you need not put it off today. God does not want you lost, no matter what you think. Jesus came to save the lost. He came for you. The hymn writer said, I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. Threw his loving arms around me, drew me back into his way. Well, I want to apply these three truths in just three simple ways this morning, just three sentences or so. Beth, you can come because we're going to do the invitation in just a moment. 
Number one is this. If you know in your heart that you remain lost today, I want to encourage you to do something. Beth's going to come. She's going to sing the same song we sang just a moment ago. And we're going to give you an opportunity. If you know in your heart that you are lost, then you know that. We all know that. Step out. Don't sit there and wait until you think you're going to understand everything, because you're not going to understand everything. Step out. Come to the front. Kneel here. Let somebody pray with you. If, if you're afraid, if you're nervous, turn to the person next to you and say, step out with me. Go with me. Kneel with me. Pray with me. You're never going to understand it all. If you understand enough to know you're lost, you ought to be up here praying and asking the Lord to save you. So you come if the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart of these truths. Number two, if you are saved, then I want to ask, then I want you to ask yourself this question. Who should I be praying for today? Ask the Lord right now. Who should I be praying for right now? If the Holy Spirit is placing a name in your mind of someone who is lost, if the Holy Spirit is placing a face before your mind, of someone who is lost, then he's telling you you need to step out and come and pray for that person. Same thing. Same thing. If you're nervous to do it, then ask somebody to come with you. But I encourage you to come. And finally, number three, this week we start Vacation Bible School. Kind of obvious when you look at the craziness we have going on up here. But one of the reasons I preach this simple salvation message today is to remind us what this week's about. This week is about the lost, little ones who may not hear it at home, little ones who may not hear it any other place, little ones who need the Savior. Whether you're involved in vacation Bible school or not, I would encourage you today, let's start off our vacation Bible school week by bombarding heaven, asking if he sends lost kids in here, they don't stay lost. We're going to sing. Beth's going to sing. We're going to have you stand. You can go ahead and do that now. And I'm going to encourage you, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, you come. If you need to be saved, come. If you know somebody who's lost and needs to be saved, come. If you just want to pray for our vacation Bible school, come. But let's come to the altar and pray for the lost. Go ahead. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Bring 
God's people said.